Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Well, hey, everybody at South Mountain Community Church. This is Pastor Eric here with a special bonus episode of the podcast specifically designed to help us expand our awareness, understanding, engagement um, around the uh, conflict in Israel right now, the war in Israel right now. Um, I've had a number of people reach out to me over the last week about this, and uh, we decided that we wanted to address it, um, bring everybody into the conversation from multiple angles, cover it. Um, in multiple ways, and hopefully provide some clarity and understanding um, for people who listen. So I'm here with Mike Bell, resident uh, theologian on this topic. Mike, how you doing? I'm great, Eric. Good to be with you. Yeah, and Pastor Trevor. Trevor, how are you? I'm doing well. I thought you were the resident theologian. Well, I mean... (laughs) You both are. (laughs) We're we're both in residency. Yeah, you both are. You both are. I recognize that uh, this week has been tough for a lot of people um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the loss of life, um, what, what do we do? How do we respond when evil strikes once again? And then also, um, how do we handle this and how is it hitting differently because it includes Israel? And mm-hmm. who is Israel? Uh, what do we know about Israel, both in light of the Old Testament and light of what the New Testament says about Israel into the future? And so this issue is really a big issue for people who... Um, have read their Bible, who are paying careful attention, and I so appreciate that. So this conversation is an attempt to expand our awareness and understanding of the topic itself and all the things that need to be talked about when it comes to this topic. So guys, how do you want to frame up the conversation uh, around this today? Well, I think um, the thing that we can all agree on, and maybe we should talk about first, is the the purpose of prayer mm-hmm. and the place that prayer holds in this whole situation, Mm -hmm. because it really doesn't matter uh, on one level uh, what the background is and and who the players are. Mm -hmm. We know that we're to pray for peace in the Mm -hmm. world, and we're to pray for people that are going through really hard times. And so whether it's the atrocities that were committed against uh, the Jewish people or... um, innocent victims that are being bombed in Gaza mm-hmm. who have nothing to do with anything, mm-hmm. we should be praying for all of those people yeah. in that yeah. situation. Yeah. But that is, so there's that aspect of this right. thing. And, and then, but there's also a need to kind of fill in the blanks and help people understand why this is even happening in the first place and what to expect in the future. Yeah. That's good. Trevor, anything you want to add to that? Um, no, that sounds, that sounds great. I think there's, um, when it comes to kind of, you know, getting our head around the subject as well, trying to think like, how, how do we think well about it? There's uh, so many different angles to it. And so, um, some history, some politics, some theology. And so we'll dive into that as best as we can as mm-hmm. well. But, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, prayer is absolutely the, uh, the, the right and best response. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing we'd like to say to, to the South Mountain family, first and for- foremost, is we hope you are praying. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Israel, for the Palestinian people that are in the Gaza Strip and in other places that are not part of, um, you know, the, the, the attacks that mm-hmm. have been happening. Uh, please do pray. Pray uh, for uh, God to move in an incredible way. Um, there's obviously lots of opportunities here, spiritual opportunities 
and that um, that's this is what my wife and I've been praying for is that mm-hmm. the people in Israel would um, that God would use this as a, a supernatural opportunity to open open their eyes yeah. to who the Messiah really is, um, and and simultaneously we're praying for <laughs> the 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 people who are the vast minority in the Gaza Strip who might be Palestinian believers mm-hmm. who are living in a hostile Islamic environment and and are you know <laughs> they're victims two times over to what's yeah. going on right now. So there's a lot of people to pray for. Yeah, it's a very nuanced conversation. Yeah, there's a lot of people to pray for because we care about all these people mm-hmm. and how we connect, how our emotions respond to the situation is connected to what we believe about the situation, mm-hmm. and that's what makes this one a, a little bit more more difficult. I mean, um, tragedy in the world and churches on the other side of the globe responding is nothing new. Mm-hmm. I remember doing something similar to this with the crisis in Ukraine when Russia attacked. You yep. know, and so it's like, how do churches engage? How do churches engage? Well, this one seems to be hitting more closely to home because what a lot of Christians, church attenders, people at South Mountain think about Israel. Uh, maybe they've been there. We actually had a trip scheduled a month from now. A lot of SMCP people were going to Israel. Um, and so it, it's very, very uh, complex. But what I've noticed about this one in particular is that it's more complex than any of the others because mm-hmm. of what people believe about Israel. And so I've seen uh, posts on social media, which you know, social media seems to be the place where people are coming to their snap conclusions about how organizations view this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen pray for, I've seen stand with, um, and all of that, uh, Mike, we talked a little about pray for, mm-hmm. uh, and we are for many, many people not praying just for Israel. We're also praying for our Palestinian brothers and sisters in Christ stand with, well, in what sense are you standing with them? Are you standing with them in that the innocents, innocent were attacked? Are you standing with them in that, um, of a, because of a political alignment perspective, what does the stand with mean? So maybe, mm. maybe we can just start there. Why do Christians, guys, seem to be more concerned about this issue because it's Israel than other maybe issues, things we could be praying about, evil tragedy across the globe? Anybody want to address? Want do you want to address that one? Yeah, yeah, I'll jump in. I think there's probably a few different pieces to it. Um, and I mean, historically, historically, there's been a lot of suffering that the Jewish people have been through. And so mm-hmm. I think there's kind of some natural compassion and empathy that arises from that, which uh, is a good thing. Um, and then beyond that, I think there's also theological reasons for it as well, um, that there are kind of a couple of different schools of thought when it comes to how do we kind of get a broader understanding of what's happening throughout the Bible um, and even throughout the kind of the, the redemption story. And so the two camps are, one is dispensational, the other is covenant, uh, covenant theology, and they're kind of answering the question, what is God, um, how does God relate to humanity during different periods uh, of kind of redemption history? And so they get at that in different ways, and there's some distinctions and nuances with them. Um, covenant theology will say that God primarily relates to humanity through different covenants. Uh, dispensational theology holds a distinction between ethnic Israel and the church, and um, will say that God relates to humanity in different ways, depending on the the dispensation, uh, really the kind of the time period within redemption history. Um, and so, with dispensational theology, there's a lot of eschatology that's wrapped up into that, and understanding of how things are going to um, kind of unfold leading up to Jesus's return. And even how certain promises that we see in the Old Testament that were made to Abraham, mm-hmm. uh, really the patriarch, kind of the first father of the of ethnic Israel, um, how will those promises be fulfilled through Abraham's descendants? And so, both of those camps have an understanding of how those promises will be fulfilled, 
And uh, dispensationalism has a particular understanding that the promises made to Abraham around, um, around land, around descendants, that those will be fulfilled specifically through, um, through ethnic Israel, not necessarily the church um, or even kind of the relationship with Jesus and the gospel and all of that. And so I think when people lean in that way, um, there's kind of an understanding that, you know, these things happening in Israel are pointing to the end times and we want to support Israel because, um, you know, even, even what, what God says in Genesis 12, that um, whoever blesses you all bless, uh, whoever curses you all curse. And the two words laid out there for curse are actually not the equivalent. Whoever curses you lightly, I will curse heavily is kind of what's said there. <laughs> And so I think dispensationalists take that very seriously and apply it to um, contemporary Jewish people today, um, whereas covenant theologians would parse that a little bit differently. Yeah, and I'll just say that there are people who love Jesus, who want to love people, well-meaning, mature Jesus followers who see that differently, and therefore it works. it's working itself out differently in their understanding of this conflict. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting to me. And I think we need to be aware, aware of that. So there are, you know, the question being, uh, what does, what role does the land play literally for Israel today in light of God's plan in the world? I mean, that question matters. And then of course, what role does ethnic Israel play in God's plan for the world? And those are not easy to answer. But I think some people kind of to your point have been told or grew up in churches that were dispensational that say this, this, and this with literal Israel, then this. And so when this happens, their emotions are connected to that. It, 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 it hurts. It signifies something else. It, um, man, it really, it really weighs more heavy on them perhaps than, than on others, you know? And so there are other people in our church who, who don't have this idea of the literal land or, the, or ethnic Israel, and they're coming at it from the place of this was evil, and whenever evil strikes, it should break our hearts too. We mourn over that. Should we be mourning more because it includes the land? And then that's where this becomes a pretty difficult, challenging topic. Mike, yeah, what do you think? Absolutely. Well, and just to piggyback on what you said, Trevor, so there's a fondness um, to, of the Jewish people by a lot of people, in, especially in the Western church, Yeah. Um, specifically because they are expecting God to do something in the future uh, and, and that, you know, Paul says that eventually all true Israel will be saved. Mm -hmm. um, and, and hearkening back to like Zechariah 12, 14, um, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him. Kind of a, it might be a Trinitarian switch going on in mid-sentence uh, mm -hmm. between two members of the Trinity. Um, uh, at, uh, they will mourn for him as they mourn for one uh, and only son. And so the idea that Israel is going to be back in the land in unbelief, Mm -hmm. uh, which Ezekiel, the, the, the last few chapters of Ezekiel with the Valley of Dry Bones seems to indicate. And so, yeah, it, the, all of that lends itself to, whether it's a dispensational view or whether it's um, something else that just includes that, that, hey, these are the people who the Messiah came through. Mm -hmm. um, they, they're, they, they're in the land in unbelief, but, but God's going to do something with them in the future. And, um, and, and so, yeah, it's just a natural fondness for, and, 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 all of the stories of the Bible take place there. So um, there's an affinity yeah. and, an, and an extra level of care. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that lends itself to, um, I guess, uh, just extra concern, extra um, 
uh, I'm trying to think of what the word would be. Yeah, just the, the, the relationship's closer. The connection's yeah, closer. Yeah, exactly. So you feel like it's as if it were in the family. So yes, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for saying what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it, and we are connected to that. We treasure mm-hmm. um, what God did in the Old Testament through Israel. I mean, on Sunday we were reading Psalm 77. It's, it's connected to Israel. We see God's mighty deeds with this group of people. Uh, Trevor, to your point about them being oppressed and afflicted so many times throughout human history, uh, that breaks our hearts too. So I think that does help explain why this feels like it hits closer to home mm-hmm. than some tragedies, even if geographically it doesn't hit closer to home. Sure. And and everything went down uh, last weekend really quickly and suddenly and kind of took us all by surprise. I mean, we would we would want to highlight any tragedy going on in the world and uh, and pray when when appropriately at church after church. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Draper, we we decided to take that on on Monday morning since we we're already w- meeting for prayer. Um, so we're, we're we're trying to address things mm-hmm. <laughs> in a, in an appropriate fashion as they come up um, yep. as we can. And and so um, yeah, I mean, hopefully people will hear our concern mm-hmm. for what's going on over there. And, uh, yeah. you know, we think it's absolutely appropriate that the entire body should be praying for what's going on over there as we should be anywhere in, with anything going on in the world that's right. affecting massive amounts of people. Right. So let's, let's have a, you know, a bit of a difficult question here. This might be a little spicy. Um, knowing that there are Palestinian believers in Christ on one side of this, you know, situation conflict and knowing that you have, uh, I'm sure Jewish Christians as well, mm-hmm. and Jewish people who don't accept Jesus as Messiah, mm-hmm. who are ethnic there. Should we stand with Israel theologically? Do we, or do we stand with uh, Christ through this for brothers and sisters on both sides of the conflict? Theologically, before we get to the political and you know sort of the the historical nature of this conflict, when someone says stand with, what do you think they mean? And if you were to say stand with, what would you mean in that situation? Or is there a better word to use in this situation? Boy, that's a good question, Eric. Um, because it does speak to, well, what do you believe about um, the, the land itself and who belongs there? And so, you know, if you're, if you're taking the Bible seriously... The, which we do. Which we do. <laughs> then Abraham was given that land. Uh-huh. And so Israel was rightfully in that land when they were kicked out of it mm-hmm. uh, after the Romans destroyed Jerusalem uh, and the temple in 70 AD and a lot of the surrounding area. And then there was a second revolt. Um, I, I forget. I don't know if Trevor, you can remember. Sometime around 130 AD or something like that. And then the mullahs and, and you know down in through history, then you had Islam come into to being or in the 600s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and then basically a lot of them ended up taking over that region and everything. And mm-hmm. so, uh, <laughs> so you, you really, it's, it's, it's the descendants of Abraham through, through Israel, mm-hmm. through Jacob, who that's their property. Mm-hmm. However, you did have a lot of, um, uh, people, ethnic people of, of another persuasion who lived there for, for hundreds and hundreds of years with mm-hmm. their families who were displaced when the Jewish people went back there in 1948 and so that's kind of, I don't even know if you asked that question, but... Well, no, that, that helps us understand this is not easy. It's not easy because... Yeah. And, and so when they went back in there, they were given a mandate from um, the government of Britain uh, to to go in there and, and, and have the land, yet there were a bunch of people who got displaced when they went back there. Mm-hmm. 
And and so it's it's not easy to figure out exactly. I, I feel like the Jewish people have been trying to make an accommodation for mm-hmm. a long time with the Gaza Strip, with the West Bank, with you know other places. Um, but it's hard to accommodate people when you have factions that are that don't believe that you have a right to be there and that yeah. you shouldn't exist, which is kind of a theological thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but we have to have compassion for um, people who've been displaced. Mm-hmm. At the same time that we we recognize that Israel has a right to be to exist and to be there, mm-hmm. they so, do politically as well, not just biblically, but politically. Politically, exactly. Of uh, yeah, what you said about Britain. I mean, the people who think that they don't have a right to be there uh, are usually coming from a, an Islamic theological persuasion, right? And they have an assumption that the Jew the Jewish people should not have that uh, place in the in the world because of what they believe the Quran is telling them and what and what the mullahs have told them and, and the imams have told them, their, right. their leaders saying that the Jews have been displaced and, and tossed aside mm-hmm. by God, by Allah, because they have not believed in his prophet Muhammad. Yeah. And so, and then that, that point of view has gotten militated. Mm-hmm. Is that even a word? Yeah. It's become militant over yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point that's where, where Hamas comes in. Yes, exactly. Hamas and Hezbollah and yeah. and the um, the Muslim Brotherhood. These groups that have essentially ended up with a militant, like we need to destroy the state of Israel mm-hmm. and refuse. They refuse to acknowledge that it, that it should even exist, which is different than the secular organizations like uh, I think one's called Fatah that's in the West Bank, they do recognize Israel's right to exist and they want a two-state solution. Mm-hmm. But how do you even function? How do you even have that conversation if you have militants that want to destroy you? Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah. And so I don't know what, what else. <laughs> and and we're, we, probably most of the people listening to this would say, yeah, we agree with this. I don't know how you have a conversation about peace with a group that w- is willing to do the things that Hamas has yeah. been willing to do. And they have been horrible. And they've been yeah. horrible. Yeah. And so we now know they've been lying mm-hmm. as well, which in their theological system is okay to do. Mm-hmm. Like God's okay with the murder and he's mm-hmm. okay with the lying because um, he, he wants an Islamic world is what yeah. they're thinking. And so I don't know what Israel is supposed to do besides what they're doing. Yeah, um, which is they need to extra- retaliate. Yeah, mm-hmm. they need to make sure that that group can't do what they did. Right. Wow, that's a great summary of the situation, Mike. Well, <laughs> well done. So when someone says stand with, with Israel, um, I don't know what they mean by that in the sense, sense of are they coming at it from... Uh, Political point of view, historical point of view, theological point of view, yes. or just yes, exactly. That's exactly. I mean, most people who say stand stand with Israel. Well, uh, if if Christians are saying stand with Israel, mm-hmm. you can bank on their a dispensational mm-hmm. stand with these blinded people who are still the apple of God's eye, and, and God is not done with them yet. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. they. That's what they mean. Yeah, and stand against the the oppression. Or the um, the attacks and and the the attempts to destroy the state of Israel. Right, that's what they mean. Does that statement minimize the fact that there are brothers and sisters in Christ in Palestine? Do you think? Yeah, it could. It could. And and honestly, I do not know um, where where those pockets of Palestinian Christians are uh-huh. in that. I mean, it could be that in Gaza that that's virtually non-existent. I don't know. But see, <laughs> this is the other thing. God reaches Muslims through dreams. Mm-hmm. And we know that this happens because you go over to the Middle East and you let's say your taxi driver is a Muslim. You could ask him, have you had any strange dreams lately? And a lot of the time they're going to say, as a matter of fact, I have. Wow. 
And th- these stories are happening all the time. It's because because most believers can't get into those places mm-hmm. and actually share who Jesus is. Jesus is getting to them another yeah. way. And and in Iran, for instance, so Iran is is you know the allegations are being made uh, that they are backing Hamas and Hezbollah financially. Mm-hmm. But Iran has a huge church movement right now being mm-hmm. run by a lo- largely by women mm-hmm. um, because of the dynamics there and, mm-hmm. and what's happened with, with guys that are believers. And so yeah. it's crazy. There are so many things going on sure. here. Obviously, God cares about these people, mm-hmm. um, but the devil's got a foothold yeah. in there too. Yeah. So let's jump to end times. You know, as I said, there's a few categories to talk about. Mike, you've taken us a little bit through the history of that land itself. Uh, Trevor, you've taken us through a little bit of the history of Israel as we see it in the Bible. We talked a little bit about the political climate of the day uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the future? What do we know? You know, we often say the book of Revelation, you know, Trevor, what what are we putting together about a situation like this? Should we be putting anything together? Is this an indicator that Jesus is coming back sooner? I mean, I'm always praying, come Lord Jesus, come. Like we, we long for that day, yeah. but should we be connecting the dots with situations like this? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I think to some extent, like when when Jesus talks, like I think Mark 13 is one of the places where he describes um, sort of like the the time before his return being marked by wars and rumors of wars and and all kinds of terrible things. Um, And to some extent, I think the way that we can take those passages in in a lot of um, biblical kind of um, eschatology, um, New Testament eschatology, talking about the end times, is almost like a, a reassurance. On the one hand, it, it's an encouragement to sort of always be living in a way where we're looking for the return to be uh, waiting and expecting that because the truth is wars and rumors of wars have been happening uh, for the past 2,000 years and, and even prior to then. So it's always a constant thing. Um, and then additionally, there's the reassurance that uh, no matter how bad things get in the present, um, that you know Jesus wins in the end. And there's some reassurance that comes with that. Um, I know Revelation gets a little bit more complicated, and I also know, Mike, you regularly dive through this and what Christians believe. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, and, and it, boy, there are so many different ways to view the end times. Um, honest Christians disagree uh, w- how we're supposed to be seeing these things. Most believers would say, yeah, I'm waiting for the, the return of Jesus and... Um, not all would say that it's going to be triggered by things that are happening in the Middle East. Many would say that it that it would, um, but it's good for people to understand that there are there's a there are a lot of believers who believe that uh, Jesus' words uh, about the future and the and a lot of things that are said in the Book of Revelation were in some way fulfilled in 70 A.D. when the temple was destroyed uh, by the Romans. That God came in judgment on them and. Uh, there are there is a pocket of people actually who say that was the second coming of Christ. Now, usually it goes beyond that to to say no. That's that's simply that that was um, a partial fulfillment, and that the full fulfillment of w- of what was said by Jesus and other places in in the New Testament and in, in the Old is coming in the future. That 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 was a foreshadow of what is going to come, that Jesus absolutely did come on uh, in judgment on Jerusalem. And that's why when he said, this generation shall not pass away till all these things will be fulfilled, that, yeah, they, that happened. But that um, a lot of the, the, the passages that Jesus references and the things Jesus said were, were dual fulfillment, that 
in the future there's there's more coming yeah and and so that begs the question because a lot of people are looking for a, a temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem and an antichrist to come on the scene um, but there are a lot of questions we don't know the answers are like we are Paul says we are the temple mm-hmm. today uh, so should we be looking for a physical temple maybe there's a physical temple to be built by unbelieving Jews or, and and I should say and and Orthodox Jews who are going to be calling for that even though we are <laughs> the spiritual temple mm-hmm. of the Lord. So those two things could both be happening at the same time. Yeah. Or, or there's no temple to be built. So that's, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And, and is the, was the Antichrist Nero mm-hmm. in the first century? Like, are, or should we be looking for somebody, to, a world leader who's going to deceive everybody? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, these are all open-ended questions, and it all depends on your, the way you interpret prophecy. <clears throat> and it seems to me like this, this conflict is reminding me that some people in this topic of the we don't know would say, absolutely, we do know, and they were taught in a church like that. And I actually think that is almost, that that's pretty alarming to me as well, that, hmm. you know, this stuff kind of lays dormant a little bit. Maybe these beliefs about the end times or beliefs about Israel, they lay dormant, but when something like this happens in the Middle East, these beliefs start to emerge, and I think those beliefs need to be checked a little bit mm-hmm. up against the Bible. And that is hap- that I'm seeing some of that right now. It's 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 emerging. These oh, absolutely. Beliefs. When I became a Christian in 1990 and started um, a regular diet of every teacher that was on the radio at the time, because I had a job where I could just drive around for eight hours and listen to these guys. Clearly, this you know dispensational premillennial the 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 belief in a literal thousand year reign of Christ and. Um, the tribulation period mm-hmm. preceding that and, and the Antichrist, all that kind of stuff was front and center. And that has been in the air that we breathe mm-hmm. for the last uh, couple generations. So we have to check that. Mm-hmm. We, we do have to do... Anybody who believes in that, that line of thinking should be asking, how do I know that this is what's ac- absolutely going to happen? Mm-hmm. And I would argue that you don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be a lot of evidence for that as a possibility, but that's not the only possibility. And that's yeah. not the only thing that in the Christian world that people believe mm-hmm. about the end times. Yeah. So people need to basically be able to check yep. <laughs> check the things that they're assuming to be true. Yeah. The Left Behind series was a book of, uh, it was a series of fiction mm-hmm. based largely on things that Hal Lindsey wrote in the early mm-hmm. 70s. So just be careful, man. That That doesn't, that stuff is not absolutely categorically 100% the way things are going to come down. You don't know that. And neither did Hal Lindsey and neither does anybody else. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of coming up to the end of our time here, guys. Um, I'm hoping that through this conversation, people realize, man, maybe there's more to the story than I first realized. Uh, Maybe if I'm, if I'm wondering why people aren't responding, like I'm responding, maybe it's because I'm not understanding what it is that they see in the story. Um, I think that's important to, to recognize. There's some people that have come to me, you know, and I get the sense that they're like, Eric, why aren't you more concerned? Or Eric, don't you know about this other evil in the part of the world? Why are you extra concerned about this one? You know, and I think mm-hmm. it's important to frame this up in all of these, in all of these categories. So we've covered covenantal dispensational theology. We've covered a little bit of history, knowing that we're not all history buffs here. <laughs> Cover a little bit of the the politics, although we're not poli sci majors. I don't even know. I, what, you, what's your undergrad? Oh, my, I don't have yeah, one. Oh, okay, that's right. I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we've talked a little bit about just church uh, at large. There are some things we need to hold loosely with an open hand, and I think some of the details around end times we can hold loosely. Some of the 
the details around the land and, and how it maybe fits in. We hold loosely because those things are at times hard to discern from the text. Guys, what are the things we should hold tightly? That's what I want to wrap up with right now. What do we hold on tightly to in a, in a moment like this? I'll, I'll just go first and say, yeah. here's what I'm holding on tightly to. I'm holding on tightly to R- Romans 12, that uh, we hate evil. Mm-hmm. So evil should be condemned always. Justice is good for everybody. Uh, evil has struck again. We are against that as a people. I hold tightly to that. Condemning evil, we hold tightly to that. Uh, we hold uh, tightly to prayer, that we, we're going to pray in a situation like this. Um, sometimes I don't even know what to pray for, but I'm just going to go to God with my concerns, mm-hmm. okay? We uh, also hold tightly to the fact that uh, there is one capital C church, and those brothers and sisters in Palestine, there are brothers and sisters as well. And I would, I, would, I would say more closely connected to us as believers than ethnic Israel because they are brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of their ethnicity. I think that is something I'm holding on tightly to. I think the Bible is really clear on that, that God's people are from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So I hold tightly to that. I also hold tightly to the beautiful work God has done through Israel. And I am fond of that. You use that word, fond of that. I'm mm-hmm. grateful for that. I celebrate that. I recognize that. We stand on the shoulders of those who received those promises and lived in light of that story, lived the story. So I'm grateful for that. So those are some things I'm holding tightly to at this point in time. And that's guiding me through a situation like this with um, some stability mm-hmm. and structure. It's guiding me through it. Those are things I'm holding on tightly to. And I'd love for anybody at SMCC to hold tightly to those things as well. Anything else you'd add to that? I agree with everything you just said. We might want to just make the distinction. We're not making a political statement by either using the word Israel or the word Palestine. I mean, maybe we would say Palestinian territories with within the larger land of Israel. Um, and so we recognize what they are trying to do, what Israel is trying to do, which is um, create some space for the people mm-hmm. that have been there for a long time. Um and they're just dealing with the ramifications yeah. of having extremists yeah. seated with those people. Um, but yes, just a, a regard for the family mm-hmm. of uh, you know the Church of Jesus Christ across the planet, whether mm-hmm. that is a believer in Gaza that exists mm-hmm. or a believer in Israel who exists. Um, but then just uh, just everything you just said. Yeah, we're we're for justice. Yep, and. Um, and fighting against evil yeah. and tyranny, whatever it looks like. Yeah. And and all it, the other thing is, as as we see this thing unfold, just remember nuance. Mm-hmm. The word nuance. Not everything. Uh, you could you could say that everything Hamas does is is evil mm-hmm. right now for sure. Um, but when it comes to their stance with Israel and what mm-hmm. they're trying to do, um, but there could be things that happen with um, the state of Israel mm-hmm. that we say, wait a minute, that wasn't the right thing to do yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Like yeah. their hands aren't clean in all this. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're trying, and they're trying to navigate such a hard situation. Yeah, right. Um, they know they're going to end up killing civilians in, in the Gaza Strip because Hamas hides next to them. Right. <laughs> so there's, there's no way around trying to exercise the evil out of that place yeah. is going to be difficult and, and innocent people are going to die. So just remember to keep nuance in mind. Yeah. As you look at any situation, um, it's not 
all the way over to this side or all the way over to that mm-hmm. side, there's going to be some play yeah. in there that you've got to be aware of. As you were talking, I was just thinking about, we hold on to peace. That's our desire yes. too. We hold that tightly. We desire for peace. Trevor, what would you like to wrap up with? Yeah. Um, my thoughts are probably just ending with prayer. Yeah. Um, just spending Let's do that. a minute and praying together. Yeah. Um, I know on Sunday we uh, use Psalm 46 as kind of a prayer to guide us around it, just because I think it's a helpful passage. Um, and one of the themes you see within it is just that water represents, especially like uh, kind of raging water can represent chaos in the world. Mm-hmm. And even later in the psalm, you see it opens up with this chaotic water, uh, and it, then you see God taming the water. Um, and then you see later on that the, the, the chaos water actually represents, um, represents war, mm-hmm. like warring nations. And so uh, the psalm is a reminder of God's ability to basically tame the chaos uh, within our world, and that one day, ultimately, He will do that. And so mm-hmm. um, what I'd like to do is just kind of pray through Psalm 46. Yeah, um, why don't you just read for it, and then we'll read through it, and then we'll pause and pray. You want to do that? That sounds great. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, I'll just uh, pray as well as we wrap up. Jesus, thank you for this time. And uh, we mourn with those who are mourning. We are just sad, God. And sometimes we just don't know what to pray. We don't know what to do. But we come before you now knowing that you win, that you are good, you are sovereign, you are over all things. So we trust you. Now, would you give us a deep passion for justice? Would you stop evil? Would you bring about peace? Would you bring people to yourself? Through your son, Jesus, would you help us be people who can navigate these difficult conversations with the fruit of the spirit, that we would be people who would come to you um, with our concerns, but also people who are an open ear, safe in conversation with others who have questions. God, ultimately, we pray you'd bring about peace, that you would stop the hurting, that you would comfort these families, that you would um, be seen as a good and loving God that people can trust. We uh, look forward to the day that you return, um, that you reign, and that all evil is stopped. Every tear is wiped away. No more death, pain, crying, mourning. That we enjoy you forever. And in moments like these, we're reminded to pray for that. So we do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, guys, thanks for hopping on. I really hope this was helpful. Um, Not so much in giving answers, but just framing up how to have a conversation about a multifaceted conflict that's just very hard so appreciate your time absolutely thanks smcc for listening we'll see you soon thanks again for joining us for the fully delighted podcast if you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend for more information about smcc please visit us at our website at smccutah.org 
Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.